Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by the wonderful John Ronaldo. John, how are you doing today? Life is good. Life is excellent. I'm uh, just excited to, to be on the podcast today because we have other people besides just us on here, Chris. And I like that. <laughs> I'm not I sure like how it. I uh, like that comment. <laughs> we have other people besides us on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, as we were mentioning before, um, John and I are acting like we are actually quarantined together. But um, maybe maybe it's because we're recording weekly opposed to bi-weekly. And you know how they say the uh, heart grows, uh, you know, um, uh, whatever that phrase is. But absence, anyway. yeah. absence doesn't absence. grow the, the heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, no, no, not in this case, not in this case. But anyway, um, yes, welcome to the Church Podcast. And with us are our very special uh, guests and returning guests, actually, right? And not not together. This time right. we have them together. Um, but we have Diana and Nick. Uh, welcome back to the show. How are you guys doing? Doing great. We're Thanks. Doing Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So now I'm going to throw this to John. John, why are Diana and Nick with us? <laughs> Because well, I'm so excited to have them, but like you didn't, you know, you just sort of said, hey, this week I got some more guests. Let's have Nick and Well, Nick. they're on because they're my friends and we're going to talk about <laughs> sourdough bread and some yeah. of the things they've been cooking go. in their house. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, they have been cooking in their house and I've seen some of these images. But no, more importantly, actually, Diana and Nick, one of the things I love about your guys' ministries is focused very much on, on RCIA and the sacraments of initiation and one of the questions that's been coming up a lot with folks that you guys have been responding to is like, we haven't been able to gather. What are we going to do about the sacraments of initiation that were supposed to happen at Easter Vigil? Mm-hmm. What does mystagogy look like? We have, we are, we're yeah. lost, right? Yeah. And that, that's my sense is that there's this kind of, not lost energy, but they're like, we don't know what to do because we've never had to do this before. And you guys have been coaching folks around that. So that's our topic today. And Mm -hmm. we want to learn from you, Nick and Diana, like what are, what should parishes be considering and doing now that we're post Easter vigil, they haven't received sacraments. They're still involved, sort of, sort of not. Really interested in your wisdom in this situation. So, so thanks for being on and, 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 and tell us, tell us what's up. Give us the information because we're clueless. Thanks for inviting us back, John and Chris. Um, We've certainly been working a lot the last, what, four, four four, 10 months of 2020. (laughs) Yeah, it's been long. It's been a really long year. But uh, the the wonderful thing about the right of Christian initiation of adults, the, the right that we are working off of, which is an official right of the church, is that it kind of already gives us a, a roadmap for how to do this outside of Easter. Right. So you want to say a little about that? Well, the, so there are provisions in the right for exceptional circumstances when for some reason... Uh, somebody cannot be baptized at the normal time at the Easter vigil. And the, I think the, the folks who compiled the right were not thinking so much of like the entire nation or the entire world having to adjust outside of Easter. It would be like an individual who got sick or something extraordinary happened and they had to bypass the Easter vigil. Well, do, they, do they have to wait till the next Easter vigil? Well, no, the church has a provision for that but now we're applying it to whole parishes to whole dioceses so it's a whole nation whole nations yeah so it's 
it, it really follows a lot of the principles of the RCIA as we know it, where a person would be baptized within the entire community, the entire community gathers. We don't pretend that it's Easter Vigil, but we celebrate all of the sacraments and, and the fullness of the ritual as much as possible. The, the part that might be a little challenging <clears throat> for uh, parish communities is that the rite is not just the sacraments themselves. <clears throat> it's all of the preparation, all of the rituals that lead up to the celebration of the sacraments. So in a way, the entire parish, as they prepare for that date of baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, also celebrates the scrutinies, the presentations of the Lord's Prayer, the presentation of the Creed, and as well as the preparation rites, the day of the sacraments. Right. So given so, that COVID came, came in the middle of Lent when all this is supposed to be happening and the scrutinies right. and whatnot, like, are, are, is there a recommendation that we, we do that when the church does open back up? Like what, what, and obviously every diocese and state is reacting differently. What does potential timing of this look like for parishes? Yeah. Well, it's, we have two competing values that parishes and dioceses are going to have to wrestle with when they decide on what the date is going to be for initiation of the elect. The, the, the overall value, the, the highest value, is that we want to provide the, the, the fullest ritual experience possible for the elect because this is the only time they're going to be initiated. And, and so these, these preparatory rites, the, the scrutinies, the presentations, they're not, they're not just extras. They're required for preparation for baptism. And the reason that they're required is because they reveal even more deeply to the elect the mystery of Christ in very specific ways. And so when we bypass those, uh, for whatever reason, we are, uh, we are giving the elect a lesser experience, a lesser ritual journey, a lesser, um, a lesser revelation of who Christ is. Now, it doesn't mean they won't have a revelation of Christ. It doesn't mean their, their baptism is somehow faulty, but it does, it's, it's like if uh, some, some people are, are having to celebrate their weddings now in this diminished environment, and it's just the two of them and the minister, you know, instead of their 500 friends, you know. So, so we, want to, we, want, we want to hold that as the highest principle. We want to give the elect the fullest experience possible. Mm -hmm. The competing value is some of these elect have been waiting for a year or more for initiation. And, and in the middle of Lent, all of a sudden, somebody comes to them and says, oh, I'm sorry, you're not going to be initiated at Easter. And that's heartbreaking. And so they're longing deeply for their initiation. And so they want to they wanna celebrate that as soon as possible. So you have to balance those two competing values to say, what should we do in our diocese, in our parish, that would be the most pastoral response? And what are you hearing? What has been the response from people? Because you've been doing like community chats and you've been having all this conversation at, at Team RCIA. <clears throat> what has been the feedback when you start talking about this? How are people reacting to this from a pastoral perspective? Well, when we've been doing our chats, um, we start out asking the participants how they're doing. Just in a word or a phrase, what feelings, what emotions are coming up this this week, this day for them. 
And the first time we did that, it was a whole wide range of emotions that people had. I don't know if it's surprising, but many of them were saying hopeful, joyful, excited, you know, this sense of, of we are a resurrection people, we are a people of hope, as well as all of the other emotions that people were thinking The disappointment, of. the grief, mm -hmm. the, yeah. The last, was it the last time we did the chat? Mm -hmm. We asked that question differently. We asked them, how are your elect and candidates doing? And the responses were overwhelmingly sad. You know, one, one person said they felt jilted, like they were abandoned. Uh, they felt despairing. They felt um, just impatient, um, as well as uh, excited and looking forward and hopeful. But we could sense the real grief and um, sadness that uh, these pastoral ministers had and are sensing for their elect and candidates. How have your leaders that you've worked with uh, come to terms with that in terms of their accompaniment with these individuals, right? Because obviously they've got their sponsors, they have their RCIA team members that are supposed to be supporting them. What has that looked like or what could it or should it look like mm -hmm. as we we journey because we don't have an end date yet. We, for a lot of dioceses, we still don't know. We're starting to hear some dioceses, May 4th, potential open to public masses, but you're not necessarily gonna do sacraments right away. So there's a lot of unknown. What does that journey now look like for RCIA team members as they journey with the, the elect and, and all those who are gonna be initiated? It, there's a there's a bit of a, a range. So some folks, if um, you probably know this, lots and lots of RCA processes are set up as sort of uh, sort of mini high school theology programs, and and so in those then you know and classes were supposed to end at Easter, and so they've they've the way they're trying to adapt is they're trying to continue classes. So they're looking for online resources where they can get together in a, a sort of a chat situation like this but continue to do kind of a lecture and study study group sort of thing. That's not really what the catechumenate is. The catechumenate is an apprenticeship in living as a disciple. So, so the, the candidates, catechumens, the elect, learn how to live as disciples by hanging out with disciples. Yeah. So now we, we have to ask ourselves, how are we a sacramental church in this uh, in this COVID era, where we cannot gather for sacraments, and and so parishes are struggling with that just for the faithful, not to mention the elect and the candidates, but the the some so on that range of responses, some some parishes have just begin to, begun to accompany the elect in the same way they're accompanying their parishioners. So what kinds of, you know, they're asking folks to watch live stream masses. They're asking folks to do more prayer in the domestic church. They're asking folks to do a little Lexio Divina reflection on the Sunday scriptures. And so they're asking the whole parish to do that. And, and with the help of the sponsors and some of the catechists, they're also asking the elect to do that. So it just depends where parishes are on that range. But folks who are more on the apprenticeship model, it's been a little bit easier transition for them because they understand that 
especially the elect who, who te- theoretically are completely formed now, ready to live as Christians, because we were just about to baptize them, they should especially be able to adapt to this in the same way that parishioners are and do, do a lot of the Christian formation, the Christian living that parishioners are doing out of their homes. So in a way, it's, it's, we, we as a church should just be encouraging people to just keep moving forward, to be sharpening, you know, uh, be iron sharpening iron and, uh, you know, yeah. investing in their faith to grow. And even just, and this can be said to the faithful as well, just to see how God is going to form and mold them through exactly. this season, yeah. right? Exactly. And so um, you can go back to the, what the RCIA says is catechesis, the areas mm-hmm. of catechetical formation in preparation for this life of discipleship in the area of the living word of God, the area of being a community of Christians, uh, in the area of worship and prayer, and then finally in the area of apostolic witness, living out your faith publicly. Those still have to happen. They're not classes, but they are how we live as Christians. And so how do we do that in this physically distanced kind of uh, culture that we're in now. Yeah. We, yeah. We've said to some groups, you know, it's, it is an act of social justice just to stay home because you, you know, lots of people are violating the, uh, the stay at home rules and that that's risky. That's, that's cause that's, that's not life giving. It's causing a threat to healthcare workers, to uh, people in grocery stores. It's, it's not, uh, you know, I just saw in California, I just saw there's a whole bunch of, it's hot in Southern California and a whole bunch of people went to the beach to cool off. Well, turn on the air conditioner. You know, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's not Christian living to put other people at risk. You know, it's interesting because one of the things that I've, I feel like I'm seeing uh, and not just with uh, the sacraments or, um, uh, you know, um, certain it was with sacraments, but um, it, is this uh, like Bishop Barron, I think, posted a reflection the other day about how um, now that we um, for those of us who went to daily mass, you know, and, and whatnot, we maybe took the Eucharist for granted, you know, and um, even in this case, like with the sacraments. Right. It um, it's something we took for granted. And now that we have this absence from it, well, you know, this uh, inability to, you know, receive them in the same way that we were before, it, it, it kind of makes you think, um, especially for the faithful, right? Like, what was I just taking that for granted? Was that something that I was just kind of going through the motions? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your guys' thoughts in regards to um, uh, the sacramental prep and, and just uh, the formation for, um, you know, uh, the catechumen and whatnot? Um, like, from from what earlier you were sharing that some people were mourning the loss of it or, or, or sharing different things. Do you think that this is going to, this season that we're in is going to help people develop a deeper appreciation for the sacraments and maybe eliminate some of the checkbox mentality? Or do you think that there's other work that needs to be done in addition to the season that uh, we're in? Well, I think uh, when we were first in the shelter in place kind of thing, the the sense of the loss of the sacraments itself, the reception of communion, uh, especially, was really is really um, uh, deep and profound. What I'm starting to see now is an expansion, uh, a good expansion of what it is that we're missing, not just the reception of communion, 
but the entire act of liturgical worship with the body of Christ, with the living body of Christ embodied in the community. Mm -hmm. And it's the, it's wonderful that so many of our parish communities are putting so much effort into live streaming mass and figuring out new technology so that we can see the, the mass happening in our own parishes from our, our homes. But it's still not the same as being with our community, singing with our community, uh, being, being present in not just a spiritual way, but in an incarnate way, in an embodied way. Uh, and I think we are starting to reclaim an appreciation of the, the need for full participation in our sacraments, not just the reception of our sacraments, but the fullness of that liturgical action. That's beautifully said. I haven't heard anyone say exactly like that, but you're absolutely right. When I've talked with folks, there are some people who absolutely miss the Eucharist, like itself, right? But I remember one men's group I was a part of, we talked about this briefly on the other podcast that we were on, is a lot of the men, really what they missed most was seeing each other. Mm -hmm. in the context of the mass right yeah. so it yeah. wasn't <clears throat> father's homily it wasn't the music right? it yeah. was the community which of course yeah. is one of the four modes of the presence of christ yes. in mass right? right which is so important that eucharist is one of those four modes liturgy the word the priest and the people yeah. that's absolutely beautiful i know you two well enough to know that you guys really condone or support a a model of RCA that doesn't neatly fit into like the academic right. calendar. How do you think this shift with COVID uh, is going to help or maybe hinder people's ability to think beyond kind of that academic model since they're being forced to do that yeah. now? I think overall it'll be helpful just because you, as you said, they're forced to right now. So nobody's, if, if you had an, a nine-month RCA program that shuts down at, you know, at Easter Vigil, well, it's not shut down now. And, and so we have an opportunity, uh, pastoral leaders in parishes and dioceses have an opportunity to say, you know, somehow the Holy Spirit still managed to be part of our group in May, in June, in July. So can't we just continue that uh, in the future? There are inquirers showing up now asking about becoming Catholic because this, this whole pandemic has caused people to be on, you know, a, a kind of in a liminal state. They're, they're a little bit anxious, a little bit afraid, and the church is a place of solace and comfort. And so they're showing up in May asking, yeah. how do I become Catholic? If you have a program that begins in September, you, it, would be, it would be pastorally irresponsible to say to people in the midst of this pandemic, oh, come back in September, you know, when we start. And if we're able to open up in September, you know, that's just, that's just crazy. Yeah. So, so it's forcing people to get creative about what initiation looks like. It's, a, it's an ongoing process where the Holy Spirit is active in our church, in our lives, in our world, every single day at every single moment. And our job is to be, uh, have our eyes and ears open and be attentive to that and not require people to fit into our box. Yeah. I think if I can add something to that, it's also expanding 
our sense of what it means to catechize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For many, many of us, catechesis is primarily uh, about information transference, you know, moving the information that good Catholics should have about being a Catholic and making sure that our elect and candidates know that information. And so that's that's somewhat how we get this uh, academic structure or this, this school model of the catechumenate. But when when the war, when the zombie apocalypse is happening around you, the bigger question that we have on our hearts is where is God in all of this? How are we going to survive this? Why is this happening? And it's forcing our catechists, it's forcing our parish leaders to help catechumens understand how do you see God present and living at your side right now? And that's not an academic question. That's a faith question. That is it. And that's a question that nobody has the answer to, the complete answer. We need all of us to be able to respond to the, the doubts and the strength of faith that we have as a, a body of Christ every day in each situation. And so I think it's a beautiful expansion of what it means to catechize. It's about mm. real life, yeah. not about something that is in a book or in a historical archive. It's how is God present now? You know, it's interesting because uh, I live in a very Jewish neighborhood and, and my next door neighbor is a, uh, she calls herself a Sunday school teacher, <clears throat> but she, uh, you know, uh, teaches a temple. And we've had many conversations about how this is reminiscent of like uh, the, um, the exile that the Israelites went through, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, for so many, I think what is driving people crazy or, um creating conflict, right, is if we knew that there was an end date, right, if mm. May 15th, June 1st, whatever the date is, was that, I think we could all say, we can endure this, right, we can make mm. that happen. Yeah. But the fact that there's no tangible, clear-cut end to this in sight, it really does go back to what you were saying, where we have to look at, like, what do our relationships with one another and with God look like? How do we experience God's grace? How do we experience, you know, God's love in a time where, you know, we are really limited with where we can go. And it can feel like an exile. It can feel like uh, we're, in, we're in a huge desert um, season. Uh, so, um, you know, one of the, the questions, though, that comes to mind is, um, you know, because there's this desire for physical presence, um, but we can't necessarily have that. Um, how, like, how does this change catechesis um, you know, in, in a social distance world so that we don't just, you know, take teaching in, in person to teaching online. Yes, um, yes. So how can we do that um, so that we can also set ourselves up so that when this is over, it just, it, it easily flows back into that. Well, it's like Diana mentioned earlier, there, there are four pillars of catechesis that the RCA outlines for us. Uh, the, the living word of God, the sacrificial Christian community, the prayer and worship life of the community, and the apostolic witness of the community and all that stuff is still going on in our church so but it's shifted it's 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 the question is 
how, how do we embody the living word of God in the domestic church? Our, our parents doing uh, Lexio Divina with their children or some sort of scriptural touchstone with their children? Are the elect meditating on the Sunday gospels? You know, are we, are we, are we, uh, do we have a, a prayer altar in our home where the Bible is enthroned? You know, all these ways we can be sacramentally domestic church around the word of God. All of that is catechetical. The same way with living in a sacrificial community. You know, lots and lots of parishes, uh, lots and lots of families right now are in a huge amount of stress because they're used to mom and dad going to work every day and the kids going to school every day and they really see each other in the morning and the evening. And they're not used to being confined in a small space together all this time. And for me and Diana, it's just the two of us and we're, we work from home anyway. And even that is because we can't go out to dinner, because we can't go to a movie, because we can't go, you know, fly to Houston to visit my mother. All these things create more pressure on us. And we have moments where we have to remember, you know, I love this person more than anything in life. I should not be acting this way. And, and so for families who aren't used to staying together and are much bigger than us, I can't imagine what the pressure is. But there's the Christian challenge. How are we loving and forgiving and sacrificial in nature toward each other in the domestic church. Living and struggling with that question is catechetical. The same with prayer and worship. To recognize that watching a live stream mass is not being at mass and, and to struggle with what that means for me as a person of faith. To, to figure out a way that we can uh, create, create prayerful, uh, regular worship that, that goes along with the flow of the liturgical year in our homes. Uh, those questions are catechetical. And, and I already mentioned the idea of just staying at home as, as a way of being Christian witness or, uh, or writing a note to somebody. You know, Diane is really good at this, handwriting hand a note, a card, and sending it to somebody to encourage them during this time. I'm, I, uh, my mother is 80, 84. 83, 84. And she, she, my, my, my stepfather passed away before all this started, but you know, she is in, she's in a new space in her life of living by herself. And it's the first time really ever in her life she's done that. And nobody can go visit her because of this. So I'm calling her every day. I'm sending her little YouTube videos. I'm, you know, what are we doing to reach out to others outside of our homes as best we can that is catechetical. If, if we can leave those four disciplines in really out loud ways in our domestic church, then the elect will grow even more deeply in what it means to be a Christian. I'm so glad you, you, you mentioned that last part of like calling out, uh, calling people and, and writing hand notes and, and everything. Um, but I, I want to actually go back to um, what you said initially at the beginning of, of, of the answer where, um, you know, uh, one thing that I've, I've heard from friends and family members and also just people like when we say, Oh, domestic church, set up an altar, right. With the Bible on it or do Alexio Divina, you know, um, if, if you're poorly catechized yourself or if uh, you know um, there are families in your church that like here, wait, you want me to set up an altar in my house? You mm -hmm. want me to do Alexio? What? Like, yeah. is that like a Pilates class or something like that? You know, mm -hmm. like, um, that's where I think we get stuck, right? Because that was my, actually one of, I, I was guilty of this. And um, I, I like saw this, uh, a lot of us in, in parish ministry do this where Holy Week was coming up, Palm Sunday was coming up. And we were just like, here's all the information on how you make your, your house, which 
who knows if you even have a Bible into it, in it, into a cathedral. And a lot of parents, we saw a lot of parents just kind of put up their hand and be like, hold on, I'm just trying to stay sane, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if in the church, we have to like, look at the, the things that you said at the end of, of your answer first, before we start saying like, okay, yeah. build an altar or Bible, or maybe I'm just, uh, you know, letting people off the hook too much, but I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. Well, I think it is a challenge for us parish ministers. We've been so used to making the church and the parish grounds the place where catechesis happens, the place where worship happens, the place where all the holy stuff happens. And if we could help families do that in some way, that's great. But the, the most important part is what happens at the parish church. Mm -hmm. Now we're being forced to recognize that the that our faith the the primary sacred place where faith grows is not the church it's our household it's where we live every day and so it's good that we can give families tools to build altars and 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 do lexio divina all of that but we have to start from what their world feels and looks yeah, like that's a good point. which we should be doing inside and outside of covid that's the way we should be forming households all the time what is holy in their life what is on their hearts right now and help them figure out how do we sacramentalize that how do we help them name the holy in that and so if i don't know it, family dinner is a isn't a, a good example i think because i think a lot of families and households are starting to learn how to have dinner together how to cook dinner <laughs> yes how to mm. cook dinner how to make sourdough starter yeah. <laughs> all of these the basic human holy things sacred things that we've given away to the experts we have to learn how to do now and so how can parish ministers help families do the daily task of cooking as an expression of faith mm -hmm. how do you how do catechesis that way rather than saying let's talk about the eucharist and the the real presence in the eucharist just translate that to the Eucharistic presence that is already there when you are cooking and preparing the table and eating together and cleaning up afterwards. How is that Eucharistic? I love and that's it. the blessing of COVID because the church has been saying that we should be doing that all along, right? That, that, yeah. that there's nothing new. Now we're being forced, right? Yeah. In a way yeah. that we've never been forced to do. And mm -hmm. so how do we resource parents and families in a different way? And, and, and can we trust our families to, to take that and make that happen? And that's the, that, you know, I constantly talk about blessings, right? There's always blessings in every dark moment, right? That's one of those blessings. Now, my hope is that we hold on to that post-COVID and that we don't lose elements of that when we come back. And yes, we'll continue to have programming things on site, right? But this emphasis on that family unit, 
are we going to lose that? That's, I think one of my fears is that many churches will just go back to normal afterwards. And yes. that's, that's not what this time should be about. You know, right. it is, it's a, we're a forced opportunity to change, I think. And that's, that's a really a, a challenge to parish leadership, because if the leadership can always start with the question Diana was asking, you know, wh- whatever, whatever we're preparing for, First Communion or Confirmation or the, the parish banquet or choir practice, if we, can, if we can begin with some form of just asking people, you know, where did you see God in your life today? Or, or where did the Holy Spirit have an impact on you this week? And, and, you know, and bless that as holy and say to people, see, that is God active in your life. Pay attention to that some more. If you, if you really felt like the Holy Spirit was active when you were making dinner, what does that say to you about who we are as Christians? And, and if you can just have that two-minute, three-minute conversation before choir rehearsal starts, if that can be kind of the normal way that we gather in the parish, that, 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 that will completely transform the way our communities are. Absolutely. What, one last question I have specifically, kind of going back to, to the RCA specifically, are you encouraging or should we be encouraged to do the sacraments of initiation in the context of the Sunday liturgy. You kind of hinted to that, but I wanted to kind of be clear because we can't, we can't do Easter vigil, right? right? You know, so is this going to happen in the context of the regular Sunday mass or what's that going to look like when we finally are able to initiate all these individuals? And this is not just RCIA, this is confirmation. This yeah. is sure. first communion, right? This is all of those pieces. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, Sunday is the premier day for sacraments. I mean, even, even though we, celebrate the sacraments of initiation at Easter Vigil, that is Easter, Easter Sunday. A, right, Easter Vigil is a Sunday celebration, yeah. it's not Saturday. Yeah. So, so Sunday is the day when we would celebrate those, uh, those really premier um, encounters with the living God in our midst. One thing to realize about the sacraments of initiation is that technically the local bishop determines the date for when that would happen outside of the Easter Vigil. And so your local bishop should be thinking of once we start opening up our parishes again and it's it's safe to gather again, when would be an opportune time to celebrate these sacraments of initiation for those who are unbaptized? in, at our website, tmrci.com, we've been talking so much about some possible days when that might happen and what a schedule might look like. We have a, a sample calendar uh, yeah. on the website, so yeah. folks can look at that. So look to your diocesan bishop to help discern when that would happen. For the other sacraments of initiation, for people who are preparing for confirmation, for First Communion, that can happen as soon as the parish is ready to gather again. Um, One of the things that we were talking about in a Facebook Live just this week was that I know so many of us are anxious to get back to our parishes, anxious for that first Sunday mass together. And we just wanna pile everything into that Sunday, all of the baptisms, all the, everything. And we were wondering, it would, I think it would be beautiful if our parishes could enter into a kind of preparation period, a kind of, uh, I'll call it penitential, but penitential not in the sense of 
oh, woe is me, but penitential in the sense of this preparation of our hearts uh, so that the first Sunday together is not necessarily the big Sunday, but that it's we're leading up over several weeks into the the big celebration of our return together, uh, where we would celebrate that ultimate gathering of the the sacraments with those who are unbaptized, that that gathering in of those into our family now. And that would be the climax of our return. So it, it would take a lot of um, self-control for all of us to <laughs> well. But I know. think, but but I think along those lines, the reality is there are people who are not going to want to come back to mass right away, right? right. Because mm -hmm. of which is understandable because yeah. of fear, anxiety. One diocese I know in the Midwest, they're opening up the public masses, but the dispensation of attending mass continues through June thirtieth. And and the dioceses that are opening up now, um, there's still there their their local restrictions are still pretty strict. Yeah. So it's like under a hundred people, you still have to be six feet apart. Yeah. Uh, ushers and community ministers have to wear gloves and masks. No singing. No singing. You know, so so yes, church is open for Sunday mass, but it doesn't look like Sunday mass that we're used to. And so is you know, do we want to celebrate? somebody's the only time they're going to be initiated do we want to celebrate it in that context where you know their their neighbors can't even hug them in the ritual you know so you know that's and it's that competing values thing some of the elect are so distraught by not being able to celebrate this they would say yes we want to celebrate as soon as possible even if it means a diminished liturgy that's one value the other value is other elect would say, you know, I want to wait until we can have the fullest, have a whole parish there, have people crammed into the pews. We can we can receive both the body and the blood of Christ, and people aren't wearing face masks. You know, so so that's the challenge. Where on that continuum does our parish want to land? Does our diocese want to land? It's interesting because I think this is also where we have to listen to to God because when God ends this. Uh, it will be in a season that is appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. and so, you know, part of me is like, huh, if this ends, you know, God forbid, but like if this ends next Lent, like, huh, we could enter in Lent in a whole different perspective and mm -hmm. just build up there. Or if this ends going into Advent season or, you know, um, you know, just uh, even into the fall, which is like very harvest theme and, and things like that. So with that in mind, like saying, okay, how does, how do we approach the celebration of these sacraments, the celebration of uh, just the celebration of the church in general in these specific seasons. So it's not a matter of as soon as we're back, let's just check it back off the box. But it's like when we're back, okay, what season are we entering into? What liturgical season? What? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I definitely, definitely can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, we want to thank you guys so much for uh, being a part of this. And uh, yeah, if, um, uh, you guys want to learn more about Nick and Diana, go to Team RCIA. Uh, is it .com or dot, .com? Yeah. Team, Team RCIA.com. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll have uh, um, some of those uh, uh, links in the show notes and uh, um, help you guys share that calendar because I'm excited to kind of take a look at that and, and see what that's all about. Um, but uh, if you guys have questions, uh, you can shoot them to us at questions at the church podcast.org or go online uh, to the church podcast.org. But let's just say um, you're sick of being quarantined with me and you want to be quarantined with John. John, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? 
As always, visit us at parishsuccessgroup.com um, or reach out to me on Twitter at John Ronaldo. And I will say a quick plug at Team RCIA, sign up for their newsletter because it's gold. It's just gold and oh, it's thanks, free. John. So no, I just, I love it. every time I'm like, I got to look through this. That's how I knew about your community chats and everything. So, so I highly encourage you, yeah, even if you're not specifically involved in RCIA, there's a lot of good content that they're coming up with. That's not just RCIA or affects other aspects of ministry. So uh, do that. And we'll have links. Like Chris said, we will have links. And we'll, and we'll also have links to our previous interviews with them uh, separately, which is, which is great. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, as we were talking, I'm like, huh, this sounds similar. Was this the conversation we had with Nick or with Diana? <laughs> like, you know, we, I was like, oh. We always say the same thing. We just put different titles on it. <laughs> yeah, but um, again, it was a joy to uh, talk with you. And um, if you want to reach out to me, uh, uh, you can find me all things Marathon Youth Ministry or MarathonYouthMinistry.com. But again, uh, head to our website, thechurchpodcast.org. Uh, share uh, this episode and, and many of our other episodes with your friends and uh, definitely leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We would absolutely love that. And you can listen to us also on Spotify and mostly anywhere where podcasts can be heard. Nick, Diana, thank you so much for joining us. Um, kind of a tradition that we have here on the show is uh, when we have guests that they close us in prayer. We've never had like a dual guest. Uh, so um, I don't, uh, is it easier if I just assign it or uh, do you guys want to like rock paper? Diana's the prayer leader. So I, I'll, I'll turn it over to her. All right. Will you close us in prayer, please? Sure. Thank you. <clears throat> Let us remember that we are in the holy presence of God. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for all the blessings that you have given us for all those who stand between, between this virus and us who protect us by their work, by their research, by their sacrifice. We ask you to strengthen all of us as we continue to seek your presence in our daily lives and bless especially our elect and those preparing for the sacraments. Help them to persevere in their faith and deepen their faith as they await with joyful hope that day that we all know is coming when you will bless us and feed us, when you will shelter us and protect us from all that will harm us. May our households be an image of your church so that when we gather together again, we will truly gather as the body of Christ here on earth. We bless you and we praise you, Holy One, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs>